bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hi, guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Briona, my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hey. I literally had to do that through a burp. Like I was like about to burp and I was like, just get through the sentence. Just get through the sentence. I, that used to happen to me in church when I was singing. Like I used to burp a lot because I drank a lot of tea, um, which is so ironic that I drank tea for my throat so I could sing, but then it would make me burp. So I'd be like in the middle of something and I would like slap Evelyn's arm and I'd be like, I'm going to burp. I'm going to burp. You take over. You take over. And so that just literally just happened right now. I was like, I'm just make it through. Just make it through. Would you be drinking like coat throat? Yeah, the throat coat, yes. And I'm telling you every time, every, I would burp, 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 burp. And now I'm drinking super strong coffee. Like I'm drinking Bustelo, but I put this like, I wish I had a packet to show you this mushroom blend in it. It's like this Hollis, my good buddy Hollis. Hi Hollis, if you're listening. Um, he's like super into like nutrition and holistic, the benefits of holistic medicine. And so we were talking about, um, diet and exercise and speeding up your metabolism. And he said, you got to use this stuff by OM. It's OM is the company. And it's like this mushroom latte mix that you put into your coffee. That's for focus and energy and everything. But it's like, this stuff is like crack. Like I put it in there and I was like, buzz, buzz, buzz. What do I have to get done today? Buzz, 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 buzz. I'm clearly going to go like into cardiac arrest after I finish this cup. Like I just, it's going to happen. Like I'm, my heart's going to stop at some point. Um, the way that I used to do like my coffee, if I, whenever I did drink coffee is try to drink as much water while you're drinking the coffee. You need that. Balance. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Do, do you now, let me ask you something. Do you get the caca butts after coffee? A hundred percent. Every, does everybody get the caca butts? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I think so. I think you, if you're normal, you should. I think so. Right. It should go through your system and like, get out that, get out that caca buddy feeling. <laughs> Because coffee poops are a thing. Coffee poops. Me and Jenna every morning when she lived with us, <laughs> but she's gone. Um, <laughs> we would have our coffee in the morning, and immediately, like either one of us, like at that right moment, would go coffee poop. <laughs> we would just go to the bathroom, like coffee poop it out. Oh my god! No, we I had a coffee poop. That's a good poop. That's a, a coffee poop is a good. That it really clears you out. Like you feel like ten pounds lighter. Like after a coffee poop. Yeah. 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 And even worse, if you, if you're somebody who drinks it with like dairy, that's even, even more. Man, I tell you what, I had dairy for the first time in a long time recently in California and it was immediate. Like it was, I had a regular slice of pizza, one slice mm. and literally within minutes I was in the bathroom, Chura city, like yeah it was bad it was bad it was like one of those bathroom moments where it was like i'm gonna run the water because i don't know if y'all could hear this like i'm gonna put the fan on and i'm gonna run the water if i could play music i will because this is going to be disturbing to anybody who hears this yeah like it was that kind of poop that someone might knock on the door and be like yo you i <laughs> <laughs> you know like one of those like it was definitely one of those and i was like okay cool this is why we don't do dairy mama this is why we don't do dairy Okay, let's not forget that now. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, what is going on in the mundo? What is going on in the world? So one thing that's happening right now is the whole Johnson and Johnson situation. So Frex, you're gonna have to inform me and some other people, I'm sure, because I'm not a grown up. I don't watch the news. So the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, mm -hmm. um, as most people know, uh, came out, I believe, in early February, probably. And I'm talking about for general public, um, or at least a certain age and up. Um, and the Johnson and Johnson, unlike Moderna, unlike, um, Pfizer is a one and done situation, right. With also a lower percentage rate. Yeah. Um, but the Johnson and Johnson was also, um, the, the, uh, the one that was being discussed to send over to other nations. Like, um, I don't like necessarily saying, uh, underdeveloped, but you know, just other nations that may not, may need the resources. Um, so not necessarily the UK, because the UK also has Moderna, Pfizer, and um, AstraZeneca. So 
over the last few weeks, very similar to the AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca was having a bit of a, a controversial moment where there were people who were showing side effects of, um, you know, uh, uh, blood clots and, and, and just the abnormalities. Um, so the UK started actually paying attention to the Johnson and Johnson vaccination because technology wise, the same technology that's used for Astro AstraZeneca is used in Johnson and Johnson as opposed to um, Pfizer and Moderna. So they were like, I want to see how that works with patients of the Johnson and Johnson over the weekend. So this last weekend, which was the weekend of April 10th, six in the United States, because um, I can't speak for the UK, but in the United States, six cases have shown up to have blood clots in the brain. And so, um, so I'm going to read because I, I, I was watching this. I mean, I was listening to um, the Daily, which is the New York Times Daily podcast. And they had a whole like, what you need to know about the Johnson & Johnson situation. So um, it said that the CDC and the FDA got six reports of that are very similar to the AstraZeneca um, blame blame clot situation. And so a lot of people don't understand what's happening with the um, brain clot situation. It's that um, a, a, a small amount of blood was clotting in people's brain um, associated with low level um, platelets, right? So what platelets are, are you know when like, um, when you get a cut and then it like, uh, clear, it wounds up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the healing? Like right. it scabs. Kind of. So consider that in the inside of your body, right? Mm -hmm. So that should be a good thing, except if it's forming far too much, then it can go into dangerous parts of your body, like the brain. But in these specific patients, not only were they getting clots, but then they were getting low platelets. So there wasn't going to scab. So meaning the blood, like it's either going to coagulate or it's going to like spread. So that was alarming, which is what eventually led to the pause of the Johnson & Johnson, not necessarily a hard stop, right? Um, and it's a suggestion, meaning that the FDA and the CDC suggested that states and cities um, put a pause, but they can't necessarily, nobody mandated it yet. Um, so out of the six people, one died and one is in severe um, condition, in a severe condition. Um, and the, the other thing is that what's important to note is that it's between the ages of 18 and 48 and all the patients are women. So, um, the things we do know is that the way that we treat normal blood clots is usually, um, with a drug called hemephrine, something like that. Um, and that's like basically a blood thinner, but they have found that they can't use hemephrine in these patients. So they don't know how to treat these specific blood clots. Um, and so the, the, uh, the other issue is mostly that they're trying to let the public know that this is a very, very rare occurrence because out of the millions that have received it, right now there's only six that have in the United States come up with this. You know, that could change with time. So they're trying to say it's still rare, but rare enough um, or interesting enough to put out the general hold. So that's kind of what's happening. And it's it's a little bit, um, I would say, worrisome. Well, I think it's worrisome. I mean, for, for people that are prone to clotting, and I think it's worrisome. I mean, it's worrisome in general. But I think, um, like, for instance, when my sister and I talked about having the vaccine. My sister has a heart condition. She can't just go and get, so if you have a, a like pre-existing condition that definitely could lead you down that path, then it's even more concerning than already the general concern of like, why is this happening in the first place? Like, oh my God, why is this happening? But then if there's somebody who's actually struggling with their own like issues and then they go and get this shot, like it's very dangerous. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I did some research before getting vaccinated, but I think there's more things to be looked into. Like I definitely could have been more thorough in looking into like, okay, what's the Pfizer shot about since I got the Pfizer shot? You know, I could have been way more thorough. And I think because I didn't have any pre-existing conditions where I was like, well, I don't have any health conditions that would lead me down a dangerous road according to the research. So I should be good, right? <laughs> you know, and like, I think that's a, a lot of the attitude people are going into it with like, I should be good, right? Right. 
And see, that's the thing. Like, I agree with you. People with pre-existing conditions, all that means is that you have been warned by a doctor at some point in your life that it could affect something else, mm-hmm. right? But me, myself, I not only have a hematology blood-related pre-existing condition that's prone to clotting, so this is extremely worrisome to someone like me, but I hate to say this, there was a point where I didn't have that condition, right? So I cannot be proven, and I don't remember the name of it, but I'm almost positive that the reason I have my autoimmune disease, which is um, antiphospholid syndrome, is because I took a specific type of birth control that changed the, 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 the biology of my blood, right? Now, when that birth control came out, I don't remember the name, but it was one of those like that you could see the TV commercials all the time. It was one of those, and I had a few friends who had it too. At the time, I was very much like you. Shouldn't be a problem. I don't have a pre-existing condition. There's the issue. Mm-hmm. All of these people, we don't have the information right now if these people were like you or like me. Because there's the problem. If they were like me, then that's different. They walked in with hesitation to any vaccine. But if they were like you, they might have done surface level research and felt like, I mean, nobody's saying that it's a bad thing and billions of people have gotten it. So I actually have more of an issue with the fact that when it's being reported, they're saying things like, but it's like really rare. And here's why. Because a year and a half ago, about, we were calling COVID the novel coronavirus, which means new. Novel means new. Well, in this moment, those six cases and however many in the UK is a novel rarity. When you are selling to a general public, don't, oh, I wouldn't worry too much because it's, it basically you're trying to say, the chances don't seem that crazy. Well, neither did coronavirus. Then look at what the hell happened. That problem, the problem to me isn't anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. The problem is, are you just trying to cut, like salvage the possibility of not having to completely take Johnson & Johnson off the market? It's a capitalistic thing rather than a humanitarian thing. It's There's- definitely 100% that they don't want to pull it from the market. I mean... Even the people administering these shots, to a certain extent, know more background information on it and should be giving this information, like, and not with that cover of, like, well, it's very rare. Because what they're trying to do is, one, not make people panic when, in fact, you should kind of not panic, but be concerned about something like this. Like, I don't think you should panic about it, but just be informed and be concerned. Like, especially if you're talking to somebody who's giving you the Johnson & Johnson shot and you're like, did you take Johnson & Johnson? They're like, oh, no, hell no. I would never do that. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, person giving this to me. Why? The other thing is, um, and and I maybe this is where I'm like uh, internalizing it, but it is what it is. This is affecting at this point to the to date um, women, mm-hmm. and that's a bigger issue because a few things: 14, 18 to forty eight. Now we're talking reproductive age women. We're talking blood clots. And again, as myself, who's somebody who has a condition that is prone to blood clotting, that means it makes it more difficult for me to either get pregnant, go a full pregnancy term, or I'm more prone to stillbirths, uh, miscarriages, and all the above. If this could in any way change the biology of women of a certain age, and we already have issues with reproductive rights in this country, I'm more concerned with calling it rare or in the category of novel just because it's not affecting men reproductively or, or mm-hmm. I well, it's like, it really is like what in the handmaid's tale is going on with this Thank damn you. shot? Like Thank what you. is going on with it? Cause you're affecting, you're absolutely right. It's affecting women and women in their reproductive prime essentially. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> this could have, worldwide implications if you really think about it in the long term of how many people could possibly how many women could possibly get this shot and how it could affect literally our population our society and this uh, like as crazy as it sounds somebody thought up the handmaid's tale so if you think that can't happen or that, that that's not a thought that that kind of society could exist 
y'all are crazy um, because it could 100% exist. Um, so I understand and you are correct. I think what what is said publicly is meant to deter us from doing further research so that we don't go in with these kind of ideas and these notions and start freaking out and telling people like, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do this. Why? Because the world and the world leaders are eager for us to get back to making money. Yes, that's exactly what. And here's the thing. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate on it, right? Because again, mm -hmm. I'm not anti-vax. No, I'm, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate. So on one end, cool. Let me play into the, we need to get back to normalcy because of um, the economy. Fine. Then I'm sorry, but Johnson & Johnson needs to take its toxic baby powder vaccine off the market entirely. And as the UN, y'all need to force them, excuse my language, you need to force the motherfucking nep of Pfizer and, and Moderna to not only make it more accessible, figure out a better system of getting it out there and getting it to everyone. Because if you know those work, then this isn't a question of who's the first one to offer it to this other nation. No, take anything off the market that isn't working, not a pause, a hard job, afuera, and anything that is working, put it out there, but start keeping in mind that my, I had a friend who we were talking about it and he said, um, it is important for us to realize that the people who are vaccinated are part of an experiment and are part of the research that we're talking about is ultimately going to be needed. And I go, that makes total sense, except then the, there shouldn't be so much concern about returning to normalcy as much as there should be the obvious learning curve that still gives us information, meaning that certain people, instead of this whole, everybody needs to get a vax, do you have a pre-existing condition? Yeah, we don't know if you should be in this test phase because you could, you know what I mean? Women in a certain age, maybe you need to start figuring out what the issue is that changes a woman's blood, like, uh, 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 what is it, um, biology that could Turn a woman like yourself who has no issues right now into a woman like myself who has issues. Figure it out and tell the public. Yeah, 100%. 100% that needs to happen. Well, even when you think about it, like, let me put it to y'all in these terms. Um, when I found out that the Johnson & Johnson shot was only 65% effective, is what I had heard, 65% effective. I was like, would I trust a doctor who got all 65s on his test scores? No, no, I would not. I'm gonna be like, you a dumbass doctor. Get me a doctor who got 100% or 99%. And I want that doctor to remove my spleen or whatever he's taken out of me. I looked at it like literally like that. Like when you talk about percentages, I'm like 65%. Y'all are going to put something in your body that is only 65% effective and be okay with that. That's insane to me all because it's one and done. See, here's the thing. People like it because it's easy. It's one shot. I don't have to make another appointment. I don't have to work harder. I could just, even though it is the inferior of the shots. Yep. It's the inferior of the vaccines but because of the ease of one shot. Convenience. Convenience sells, right? Convenience sells. And here's the irony. When you want to convenience yourself, you can ultimately inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. And this is long ramification. Says, do I regret taking that birth control? Regret is not the word, but every once in a while, I think about that time. I took it for one month. I think about that time in my life and I go, damn, yo, all it took was one decision to do something. And I now forever, I have to take baby aspirin to thin on my blood. I have to worry about these things in the middle of a pandemic. I'm still of the fortunate side where it's not like your sister, a heart condition or diabetes or up to that level. But I'm not in your situation anymore where it's like, I don't have to worry at all. Yeah, And I don't want anybody to be where I am. So that's why I don't like the word rare because I go for now, for now yeah. it's rare. For now it's rare until you find, cause like, let's also be real. Let's be a hundred percent real. Even if they take a poll, they can't talk to everybody. 
So how do you know that somebody's abuela or somebody's like whatever didn't just up and die and they have no idea what happened after they got the vaccine because that story isn't being covered in the news because those people are not heard of because those people haven't spoken up because they're sad and they lost someone like you, you there's people that are not going to come out and say oh after my mom got the shot this and this happened or there's people that will come out and say and it will go nowhere. It will go nowhere and they will not be heard. So it's like, yes, rare is a, I don't even want to say disrespectful. Loki, it feels disrespectful, but I think it's misleading is what the real issue is. Right, You're trying to go, um, it could happen, but not to you when it's like, you don't even have the pero not to give. You can't tell me the pero not. And that's where, when my friend goes, who do you want to get answers by? And I go, listen, the general public is already uh, worried. Mm-hmm. The CDC needs to do a better job at giving us a why. What happened to the person who died? When they're saying um, a rare, they didn't use the word mutation, right? But they said, um, like this was on the New York Times. Uh, Six women developed a rare blood clotting disorder. My first question, what's the disorder? Is it APS? Is it what I have? What's the disorder? Nowhere did I find it. So you're telling us that they've got a disorder, but they didn't tell us what the disorder was. Why? Is that something to worry about? The why? Right? Now, here's the other thing. I even thought about it. What if it is APS? What if it is what I have? Do you want to know what the why is? Because this country, because it affects women, mostly women of a certain age, women of reproductive issues, this country has not put the research to help those women. So even if hypothetically I'm right and APS is the rare blood condition, this country has ignored APS all this time. And now it could backfire entirely. Mm -hmm. I get all of my um, antiphospholid syndrome stuff from the UK because they do research on my condition. Thank you, UK, for doing research on stuff. I'm just... And I'm, I'm not trying to come down on the United States because here's the thing. Again, the UK also is not giving us full whys. Yes. There's, it's more about the um, politics of this than anything else. It's not about, you know, damn the US or praise the UK. It's not one or the other. It's the fact that the people in power are withholding information because either A, they don't know and they're scrambling to find information or B, they do know and don't want to tell the public because they're afraid the public is going to lose their ever loving shit and go nuts. And that's what their their biggest fear is like either thing happening where it's like, we don't do enough research on this. So we don't know about this disease. We don't know about the clotting. We don't know this. We don't know that. And now people are freaking out that they have this information. And now there's riots and people, they automatically go to things are going to get dangerous. Things are going to go crazy and they're going to burn down buildings and all this stuff. And it's like, no, you're lucky that we won't because what we really need to do, what really needs to happen is education. And this is now up to the individual, which is why like the power is in the people if the people believe they have the power. So if you educate yourself on these things then you have ground to stand on, you know, you have something to fight with. You have an arsenal of information that doctors and nurses and only doctors and nurses are normally privy to because they are supposed to do this research. They are supposed to know about this. So now that you as the individual is actually doing that research, you know, that's where we need to get to. That's where we need to get to where it's like people aren't just blindly believing these people and just going in. And a lot of it is we don't want to think about the negative. A lot of it is we don't want to think about the negative because, you know, historically we are, we are taught to avoid the negative. Like socially, we are taught that the negative is uncomfortable, that the negative is scary, that the negative is this, when the negative is just a part of life. And the thing is that the narrative is no longer, you know how like when when um, COVID began, it was like, it highly affects people with pre-existing conditions. It highly affects people of a certain age. So then younger people all thought that they were kind of gravy on it. Well, same thing here, except now it's about conventionally healthy people and not. So if you think that you're, oh, I'm going to be good because I have no pre they're telling you, we don't know. We don't yep. know who, what, like, 
You know what I mean? I you could, could be, be fine right now, but then the second you take this shot. And that's where I'm like, honestly, I would have preferred if they would have said, here's what happened with these six people. This is what's in common with these six people. This is what we noticed is also in common with um, the other, the UK, the Oxford UK vaccine that was having issues. Because that in common is what informs people to like, oh, then maybe not. But then I thought about this. But then people are going to want to, are going to start demanding more Pfizer, more Moderna. And then it, again, it starts to change capitalism. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's like, I was thinking, I made this, I had this thought and it was, I almost feel like um, Astroderma, I think it's called the the UK version. I said it earlier, but I forgot Um, that one and um, AstraZeneca. I feel like AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson are the poor man's and the uh, um, you know um, dis- disabled man's vaccine. I feel like Pfizer and Moderna are for a specific class of people, and the reason I say that is because of the way that they circulated and produced, and so therefore. The fact that we can't go into somewhere and go, hey, not only do I want to sign up for a vaccine, but can I sign up for this one, please? Because since I have to wait for the appointment anyways, can I opt not Johnson and Johnson? But I mean, no- technically you can, but you have to literally go to a place that only has Pfizer or only has Moderna. But that's my point. That's the problem. The yeah. fact that places don't have all of them. The fact that places have only certain ones. That's why I'm saying it's like the poor man's version because that's the one they wanted to send to Africa. That's the one they want. Johnson Johnson's the one they wanted to send to all these other places mm-hmm. as almost a savior thing. And now look at what's happening. Yet I almost feel like myself, I know that my doctor offers the Pfizer. I almost feel very, very privileged that when I can get a, a vaccine, I know I'm not opted to Johnson Johnson no matter what. I yeah. feel privileged in that. That's why I'm saying it's almost like the poor man's version because it's all about um, production. That we're talking about the difference between Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca is this, the way you store them. The Moderna and Pfizer have to be stored in a freezer, right? The other ones can be stored in a fridge. So hypothetically, a person who is homebound, mm-hmm. who can't get out, of the house to go get it. So somebody has to come to them. They were like, how are they going to bring a freezer to that person? And here's my thought. That is why it is of a more disadvantage if you're poor or if you're disabled, because then you don't have the advantage of these two shots. You don't have the advantage of these ones that aren't having the issue. This is a bigger issue when you really think about it. I'm like, you want to, you want a, a, a freezer? When right there, Rite Aid, get yourself a cooler like you go into the beach, put mad ice in it. Yep. Y'all ain't never problem solved before. Like, that's what all I, I know is like when I went to get the shot and I sat down in that chair, I said to the nurse, I said, How do you guys determine what shot people get? I didn't understand. I'm like, People just walk in here and get a shot. I said, how do you determine that? And she goes, we don't. They get whatever we have. That's exactly what the problem is. That's exactly what the problem is. They're pushing out the narrative that everybody should be getting vaccinated. Yet it's a, you get what you get type of situation. Mm -hmm. You don't get to choose. Yeah. What about my body? About my my way of, literally how I could exist and die? And how this could change me chemically and how this could like, affect my future if like look i already had a baby i don't don't have any more baby if i wanted another baby you don't know what could happen i have no idea what could happen and i think that that is right you are right this is a bigger issue and there are several issues with the whole idea of this vaccine but the, the issue i mean it does become a socioeconomic issue with people who can like who cannot afford or cannot get out to these places. So it is a really big issue. And like, for me, if you're thinking about getting vaccinated, the the whole point of discussions like this is to inform and to make you inform, not only your own medical history, which a lot of us don't know, but 
also inform yourself on the different shots and what are the side effects, who can take them, who cannot take them, who's at risk, who's not at risk, at least as as we know today, because the information is constantly changing. Remember, we are currently the guinea pigs, guys. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And if you, here's the thing. There's a difference between a person who's an anti-vaxxer mm-hmm. and a person who doesn't feel comfortable being a part of the guinea pig like population. Yep. I am a big difference. Vaxxer. I don't want to be part of a guinea pig operation because I know that I have a condition and that I should not be shamed for that either. Because no. that's my life. Like my life literally, I'm almost here's the fucking the messed up part. I'm almost happy this data is coming out because I had set up an appointment for my rheumatologist so that I could get a second opinion on if I should get the shot because of my blood condition. All this time, since the shot got out, since I got approved two months ago, it's not a big deal. We don't see why it would be a problem. Do you understand? I'm going to walk in and be like, so what are we looking like? Because if those were normal, healthy women, yeah, where do I stand? I can no longer be looked at by a practitioner and go, well, we don't think, no, there's no, there's no room for. You showed up like, here's the Vax facts. Yes. Here you go. Check out the Vax facts that I looked up on this because you were very wrong. And, and, and I'll, and I'll leave it here. I decided we need a Latina president. Let me explain why. Because a Latina president of these United States. These United States. United States of America. Yes. Yes. And even though she, I, she could be, she has to be born here, but for some reason she still pronounces it like that. Yeah. United States of America. America. Let me tell you something right now. Her. She, because uh, let me tell you, uh, a Latina mother, mm-hmm. so she has to be a mother, a Latina mother would figure out how to get Pfizer and Moderna to everybody. She would. She'll figure it out. She will, she will go. I, I think about it like, a, like if you've ever been to a Latino barbecue, if you've ever been to a Latino baby shower, we will figure out how to make it happen. So Again, if the issue is you need to have it in a freezer, she will make a deal between Pfizer and Rite Aid and all the coolers, just mm-hmm. like at the at the beach selling um uh, nutcrackers. <laughs> she would have somebody still dragging around a cooler. And here's the thing: the blue cooler, Pfizer; the red cooler, Moderna. Moderna. That will be it. That will be her first solution. She will figure out, and that and then she'll do it on di- discount. Everything off coupon. Everything on coupons, everything on coupons or free. If you got like, if you're, if you got food stamps, it's free. Like you could even play with food stamps. Like no, I'm telling you right now, she would figure it out. She would have everybody go down to, um, Orchard Beach. Mm-hmm. It's like the line is going to be at Orchard Beach and everybody goes, gets the plata, 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 and then we're done. And here's the thing, just like a Latina mom, she, the way she would treat other countries is like, oh, they couldn't make it for the shot. Oh, pero je- mandale un plato. Send them a shot, yo. Send them a mandale shot. un plato de Moderna. Yeah, yeah. Like that. She, yeah. I, I'll, I'll serve it for them. That yeah. will be our Latino I'll put, it, I'll put it together for them. You take it. You take it to them. A little bit of cake. Dale bicocho. Just a, a little bit. Just a little bit. Put some foil on it. Yep. Put she it in the cooler. Right? <laughs> 100%. And they'd be like, just remember to tell them when they heat it up to take out the potato salad because that's served cold. Yeah. The potato salad is meant to serve cold, so put it on a separate plate. Don't heat it up. It's going to be nasty if you heat it up. It's not meant to be heated. Take it off the plate. Put it back on the plate when you're done heating up the plate. A Latina president would have got this done. Latinas for president, guys. Latinas for president, guys. Latina moms. Latina moms. I'm going to vote Sofia Vergara. No. I love her accent. I think it's so cute. Sorry. I love her too, but she can't be president. She wasn't born here. Damn. Hey, you right though. Come on, Sofia. Get it done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, come on, Sofia. Get it done. Now we got to. Oh, we just give it to J-Lo. Just give it to J-Lo. She would take it. 
She would take it and she would kill it. And she'd be the most stylish president ever. Like, shut up. She'd be the most stylish president. Every, all of our, like every cup in the United States sells would be bedazzled with rhinestones. Cause you know, 100%. She loves that. She loves that bedazzled stuff. Yo, yo, everybody would be, it would be a mandate to own a pair of Tim's with heels. Like the the Tim heels, everybody would have to own one. The shot, like the needle would be bedazzled. Hilarious. (laughs) And it just says J-Lo on the needle. It says heart J Lo, like love J Lo. Here's your shot, love J Lo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, let's get vaccinated. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to our TikTok of the day, which is very interesting. Um, uh, as per usual, I'm gonna let Kat do the reading because I will mess this up. I don't have my Bia hug glasses on. Okay, so our TikTok of the day comes from Jasmine, Jasmine Liz Comedy. Um, and so it is a video. Oh, I think it's Jasmine Ellis. Jasmine Ellis comedy. Jasmine Ellis. So yeah. Jasmine Harden Ellis comedy. Um, so it's a video responding to a comment left on another video. Because that you can do that on TikTok. Somebody can send you a comment on your video and then you respond with another video. So this is the response video. Um, in the original, uh, Jasmine was discussing how single men were in her comments and telling her that she shouldn't be telling her husband to go to the store. She didn't understand why they felt the need to respond to her and tell her what she should be doing with her husband or not as single men. The comment that she received from somebody who saw our video was more of us need to start telling men how little value they have. Maybe then they, maybe then they get it. Most of these men are a liability to women. So then she responds in a video, Shonda Rhimes put it perfectly. For a lot of women, it's not kids that hold them back. It's a partner that doesn't help them out. If you don't have a partner that makes your life better than, um, sorry, that makes your life better, um, then you're better off being alone. I am an advocate that marriage is not an accomplishment and not for everybody. And I'm happily, and I'm happy, I'm happily married. I think we need to normalize the idea that marriages can improve your life, but it does not have to be your life. So many men feel like they're entitled to a wife, um, like if that's what you get after a certain point of being old enough, where they think that women have to work and look for a husband, when in actuality, um, no one does. Nobody. We can be completely fulfilled and happy without a partner, and you won't have to have those responsibilities of having to check in on another grown person. Um, most of these men want a mama, not a wife. So what are our thoughts? Well, I mean, I... I have a, a lot of thoughts on this. Um, well, first, I'll, I'll, I, I know that what we really need to discuss is actually what she was talking about in terms of men being a liability and, and relationships and, and marriage not being an accomplishment, which I definitely want to comment on there. The first thing I have to say is about the comment, because I don't agree with the comment. Um, the person's comment to her video. The person's comment to her video. And I'll tell you why. I don't agree with the wording of it. Um, I understand the meaning behind it, but... I don't agree with more of us need to start telling men how little value they have. I don't agree with that only because we wouldn't be okay. We're not okay with women being told how little value they have. So we shouldn't be okay with men being told how little value they have because that can also create toxic masculinity and this, you know, inferiority complex and all of this by stripping anyone of their value has that like, um, can force them into these insecurities and the, all these things. So I don't agree with that statement. However, I do agree with what she is saying in terms of it can be a partner that holds you back and that if your partner, if your marriage or whatever, if that person is not lifting you up, supporting you, being there for you, and instead is holding you back and is more like stunting your own personal growth, then that is not a relationship that you need, nor is it a relationship that you need to stay in. Um, I do believe that your partner can hold you back. I know that there's a lot of women that I'm sure have been through that where it's like, and I went through it myself in one of my relationships where I was like, I would cancel shows if he was upset that I had shows. And I would, you know, all these things that were like, I was doing this to save my relationship to prove to this person that I cared. Meanwhile, I was being emotionally manipulated by this person. 
and guilted into feeling like I wasn't being a good partner myself because I was trying to advance in my career and trying to take care of the things I wanted to take care of, which red flag y'all red flag when that happens in a relationship. Yeah. Male or woman. Cause the thing is that yes, yes talking from a female perspective, but at the end of the day, that's why I like the word partner because yes. who is holding you back is not. Yeah. 100% anybody is who is holding you back. And I do agree that we need to stop treating marriage as an accomplishment. And here's where that comes from. When you go back to the um, archaic patriarchal way of thinking about things and how the idea of marriage, when you, and let's not act like it's not made into a religious thing, you know, where marriage is sold to little girls as this thing of like, this is what gives you value is you are now a wife. You are someone's wife. And if you're never somebody's wife, then you don't have value. If you're never somebody's mother, then you don't have value. And I think we need to stop putting these limitations on people because marriage is not for everyone. Well, in that situation, it's not people, it's women. Yes. In that situation, you're right. It is women because it is this thing that women are taught and guilted into that you have no value if you're not either in a relationship or married or in some kind of situationship. Yeah. You belong to someone and by belong to someone, meaning you also belong to your children. So Mm -hmm. it's not just men. It's also, you need to, your purpose is all dependent on other people. It can't be just on being a human being, on being a woman. Your purpose has to be attached to something else. Men are not conditioned that way no men are not conditioned that way but and and it is true that women are we are or have historically been conditioned to believe that we need to work and look for a husband we like that's darth that's why we are competitive against one uh, one another that's why there's so much hate between a lot of women is this constant feeling that oh she's my competition versus she's my ally she's a woman that understands what it's like to be a woman in this world you know what i mean we don't often look at each other that way because we are conditioned to be in competition. We are so conditioned that good men are hard to find and blah, blah, blah. And that you need a man. The idea of, and one of the issues I've always had with this phrase is my other half. (laughs) No, honey, whoever you are, man, woman, doesn't matter. You are whole. Yeah. As is, as you are, you are whole. Just like they are whole. Yeah, exactly. Just like they are a whole and you have this person or, you know, an individual that is in your life needs to understand what your goals are and where you're headed in your life and needs to be on board with that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it goes into what you were saying earlier about the comment of value. So for instance, I don't agree um, with, uh, I, I, I mean, maybe it's not that I don't agree or I do agree. More of us need to tell men how little value they have. I don't agree in the sense that like, that should just be the uniform of what we tell men. I don't agree with that. I do agree that we should say that to toxic men. I do agree that there is no question. Toxic men need to be told your opinion is not valued. Cause that's what she was talking about. The girl in the original video was talking about how her husband will go to the store and she'll like, dictate him a list of something. I don't remember the exact video, but it was something like that. And then men were in her comment like, well, how you, basically you sunning him. Basically you sending him like he's your little laptop. And her whole video was like, I'm sleeping with him. He ain't got a problem with it. Why do you have a problem with it? So the lady's comment was more saying, men like that, the ones who feel like in every conversation when a woman opens her mouth, his opinion is gold, are usually very toxic men. And those men need to learn that your opinion is not a value to me. Because a man who has a valuable opinion knows when it is time to say it. You know what I mean? There's men who be like, that's none of my business, yo. Like, I don't need to comment on that. That's her relationship with him. If he is a herb, if she does son him, that's his problem not mine, and they won't speak. So that's where I kind of think this, per- I think this person was going rather than a general men. Like, I, I agree with you. In any situation, whether it's gender, whether it's race, in any situation, we shouldn't be trying to out, like change the scale so somebody else goes up. We should be evening out the playing field. 
We don't need to start oppressing men. <laughs> That's the problem. The kind of women, and I say this honestly, the kind of women who feel like we need retribution, so we need to oppress men, don't care about equality. They care about payback. Yes, they're looking for vengeance. That that that's their version of reparations for what they've gone through as women. And I understand the upset and the anger, but being being that way gets us nowhere as a society. And now we're just in a forever war of who's going to have the upper hand, men or women, instead of creating that equality. So yeah. I do agree with you, but I think she makes a really good point in terms of being whole and being complete as a person instead of seeking that wholeness from a relationship, which is so, it creates so much dependency and so much neediness and lowers your own self-worth and value. And like how many women or people even do we know that feel like they have no value unless they're in a relationship? Yes, yes. and that's why I love the fact that she's highlighting the word liability. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that, I hate to say this, but I do think that in every relationship, especially if you're in a relationship for long extended periods of time, at some point you will all be, a, you will both be a liability to one another at some point to some degree. So whether one is having an emotional hardship for two years and maybe they themselves are the one who, you know, is going through the tough time. So the other person is kind of like, have to, you know, take on all the weight for those two years. And then maybe after that, it's the other person on a financial um, sense. But that to me is what relationships are. It is roller coasters. It is changing. It is like waves, right? When it's a full liability is when it's, you are just with a person who uses you to any degree or isn't or has not been taught to basically be a functional adult. So you then have to pick up extra slack. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is a liability that is never changing. Because once you're with someone who's like, perdón, doesn't want to work, is late, and it's because of laziness, liability. If you're with somebody who doesn't know how to, I don't know, maintain a home, right? And help you maintain a home, liability mm -hmm. because you aren't taught in my opinion man or woman the basic necessities of how do you house yourself how do you keep your place functioning and then how do you feed yourself and this is where i go into the the comment she made about men want a mama not a wife and you and I, i've said this in other episodes and you know who i blame mothers because mothers are raising men to accommodate their need, not always remembering you his one and only mama. Mm -hmm. That girl is not gonna be his mama. She's gonna be his wife. So he needs to know how to pick up his socks. He needs to know how to, you know, I don't know, uh, feed the children. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. When you look at how enabled a lot of men become because of their moms, like it's something that I try to stay very aware of with my son because- one of the things I told my husband when we first even got married or started dating was, I'm not your mom. I started off with that. I'm not your mother. I am not here to tell you what to do. I am not here to pick up after you. You are a grown person. You are a grown person, which is why when there are socks on the floor, I have legitimately thrown them at him. Because I'm like, I'm not an indentured servant to you. I am not here to clean up your mess. You are a grown person and you yourself can put that in the hamper. You yourself can wash your dish or the dishes if they are in the sink. And right. you have noticed that I have been working all day. You can take the responsibility and do the dishes, even if they're not your dishes, because that's what I would do as your partner. Mm -hmm. And setting that boundary is really important in relationships where it's like, listen, I am going to be your wife. I am not your mother. I am your wife, which means I am your partner, which means we have to balance out the work and the household. We have to balance out life together as partners. And look at the irony of household circle. What we just like talked about is I just said, I blame mothers and I still do. 
but I don't completely not empathize with mothers because again, we societally have taught women that our value is in being um, attached to a partner or being of use to a child. And so therefore, of course, of course a mother would then have a son who she treats like he's a God and pick up, you know, I need to do things for him because she has only been taught by the society that her value is to do for others. Well, also 100% as a mom, uh, my son is a God, but besides that, um, but he, <laughs> but he, here's the thing, him getting to an adult and then treating a woman like she isn't a goddess is the issue. It's not that he shouldn't feel like he is his own version of, you know, like exactly. Say, yeah. You need to have conversations. Like I intend on having conversations with my son, like, Hey, I do your laundry now, but we are going to have a discussion when you are old enough to do your own laundry. You are going to be doing your own laundry. You are going to be washing your own dishes. You are going to be a person that when you are building a household with another individual understands what is necessary to make it work. It's not just one person's job. If you have a partner, that's exactly what it is, a partnership, which means you equally share the work in the relationship. And that's a very important conversation. I think as a mom, it's hard to let go of that. My son is a king and I love him. You want to do everything for him. Like it's literally your instinct. Like motherhood is so crazy that when my son cries or reacts to anything, my body reacts. Like it is, it is literally a chemical connection, like to my son, that my body is just here. It is like ready to go. Whenever I hear him, if he cries, if he laughs, if my body reacts to it. It's like, you can't even help it. I want to run to him immediately. And so there is a thing about motherhood where it's like, yes, yes, it is conditioning, but it's also, there's an instinctual need to protect your child. You're young, you're, you know, you want to protect them from everything in the world. Unfortunately, sometimes what happens is you protect them so much, you also protect them from responsibility and responsibility of their own actions. And that creates the douchebags we have in society today. Like, I'm very sorry, but being that kind of parent that just gives your kid everything and anything, and they don't have to work for anything, and they're not taught these life lessons, or they're not given the benefit of these conversations as young adults you really screw them as adults because that's why a lot of us are in unhealthy relationships. That's why a lot of us have dependency issues. And so this is why, you know, statements like this and conversations like this are so important for the people who have not had these lessons come their way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Got a hundred percent. All right. So that actually brings us to our dear Gina. It's like, it's time for the dear Gina. I need a jingle for like dear Gina. Um, <laughs> we need a jingle for that. So uh, let's go into this dear Gina, which is who is a spicy today. I don't know why I really like doing that accent right now. He's a spicy. The Latina president accent really has, has me going. Um, it's the coffee. I'm going to cock on my pants. All right. Dear Gina, my ex best friend and I had a falling out a few years back. And I recently found out that they told some someone a few personal details about my life. This made me wonder what kept you loyal to people that are no longer in your life or are you even still loyal or what keeps you loyal to people that are no longer in your life or are you even still loyal? Let's do that question again. Yeah. Let me read that again. Cause I, all right. <clears throat> Dear Gina, My ex-best friend and I had a falling out a few years back, and I recently found out that they told someone a few personal details about my life. This made me wonder, what keeps you loyal to people that are no longer in your life? Or are you even still loyal? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, What keeps you loyal to the people that are no longer in your life? Man, I don't know that I would call it loyal, I don't think that I'm loyal to people that are no longer in my life. I think I just write them off and I don't care. So I don't care to bring them up or whatever they've told me or whatever secrets they have. I just don't care to talk about them. Um, Once I'm done with a person, it's like, why, why bring that up and hurt myself all over again? I'm already done with this individual. So I might as well just erase their existence and just not think about anything. So I think I'm loyal by default, meaning I don't talk about their secrets because I don't care to. It's not that 
you know, I'm holding it back out of respect for them. It's like, no, I really don't care about your life anymore. So I'm not going to say anything because it's not my place and it's not my business. And I really don't care. Whatever you're going through, you're going through. Your secrets don't even matter to me because it's not like I'm trying to get you back or be petty or ruin you because that's what it is. When somebody's letting your secrets out is because they're still butthurt over whatever happened and they want to make sure that you are embarrassed and you are hurt and that your hurt equals the pain that they feel. When somebody is actually like telling your secrets to somebody, it is low key a way of them showing that they're still in pain over the falling out. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it loyalty. Um, cause loyalty to me is like, like I'm loyal to Catherine. Like if Catherine tells me something in secrecy or something that is private to her, it's not leaving my brain space. It is not leaving my mouth to anybody else but her. And I have so much respect for her, even if there was a world in which we were not talking and we were not friends, that I would still keep my mouth shut based on our friendship from before and the love we had from before. So it would literally be, I think you're one of the few people that I might stay loyal to. Or, I mean, is it really called loyalty or just having respect? Because I feel like it's more like my respect for you would stop me from letting out any personal stuff because I don't want to, and I don't want to seem bitter and butthurt. And that to me, if somebody were talking to me about someone and they said some like, some secret or like, yeah, they don't even know that blah, blah, blah. And that's the, she told me that I'd be like, why are you telling this person's business? Like, why, why is that even your thing to tell unless you're seeking attention based on what their life is? So it's kind of a sad thing that somebody would actually let that kind of come out the secrets or personal details out. Um, I mean, yeah, like I say, I don't call it loyalty. It's more being respectful or just writing somebody off and being like, I don't care about that person anymore. So I don't see the need to talk about their life in any way. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's roundabout the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, you know, what do you do when you're, um, oh, I'm sorry, I read the wrong question. Um, this made me wonder, what keeps you loyal to people that are no longer in your life or even are you still loyal? I want to talk about the fact that they had a falling out and then somebody else told them that they knew personal details. So I think that's where this is more fueled from. It's more, should I get revenge? Because mm -hmm. now how do you react, right? Like in a hypothetical where, I mean, I, I would never do this, but hypothetically, you were in a situation where you were friends with somebody, you no longer were friends with them. And then I, third party, now your friend comes in and is like, oh, how's, um, uh, uh, so, you know, I spoke to so-and-so the other day. She told me about your like, blah, blah, blah. Um, how's she that? told me you got Johnson and Johnson. She told me, yeah. She told me you got the Johnson and Johnson. Um, how's that going? Cause you know, I got Moderna. <laughs> I got Moderna. I got Moderna money. Right. How's it going? Like, I think this person is more in a place of like questioning if they should stay loyal to what they know more because Maybe they're not even butthurt about the falling out. Maybe they're they're a little bit annoyed at the fact that this person had the audacity to share anything. So yeah. it's because like, in that situation, I could even see, I don't know if I would do it, but I could even see like if somebody came to me and was like, oh, I know you and Gina don't talk to it no more, but she had told me about your blah, 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 blah. I could even see in that moment wanting to be like, well, did she tell you? I could see the want. I could see the want. So I hear you, but going to your point, Gina, what does it do for you to even like retaliate, to return the favor of now spilling their tea? Here's the thing. This middle person is just as much of a gossiper as the ex-friend. So you're just giving them more fuel. That person is saying they're like, mm -hmm. They're actually telling you because they know it's going to feel something and they know that you, you will want to retaliate rather than going, oh, they told you that? That's messed up. They shouldn't have told you that, but all right, whatever, and leave it, right? So yes, it's not really about, I'm being loyal to them, but I am being loyal to the fact that when we were friends, I told you it was a vote. And that is more of a test to my own character that it will stay evolved. I'm not doing it for you at this point. I'm doing it for me. Because here's the thing. Now, 
third person, the one who was doing the gossiping, mm-hmm. that person could hypothetically meet a new person who I may want me new friends with. And that person could be like, I mean, you should be careful because you know, when she had a falling out with so-and-so, she told me this. And then she even went so far to then tell me something else. Now this third person goes, I mean, she, she retaliated. So I understood her reasons, but that means that she's willing to be vengeful. Yeah, you do have to be careful. It's funny because, like, the minute that you said that whole thing about, like, somebody retaliating immediately, all I could think of is with my temper, it'd be like, wow, they shouldn't have told you that. And I would be like that on the surface. And then I'm going to go break the windows of your car with a baseball bat to send you a message that the next time you let my business out is going to be your head under that bat. Uh I'm not a retaliation in conversation type person. I'm going to call you up and be like, I'm sorry. Um, what in the whole history of the F word is your problem with letting my business out? Because now we have a really big issue. Now we have a really big issue. I'm not going to be petty and let your shit out. I'm going to come straight to you and I'm going to be like, all right, like legitimately, do we need to fight this out? No, like I, like you said, it's not about loyalty. It's about respect. It's about respect and you disrespect it. So yeah. how do you handle disrespect is more of the question. How do you handle the disrespect? Yeah. Do you go back? Do you get, do you retaliate? Do you let it go? Who's the bigger person? And it's interesting that you said, I'm not doing it for you anymore because it is true. When we take that high road, we're really patting ourselves on the back and going, I'm such a good person. Though. I went high. I went high. They go low, we go high. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go high because because the thing is that part of that friendship it, and part of that vulnerability is power. Mm-hmm. Right? So even if they, let's just say every friendship has five really don't tell nobody type secrets. Mm-hmm. Five. Everybody knows what order those secrets are in. Which one is like, um, if one of them had to be told, then this one. But then, then there's the one that the highest ranking one that you're like, never take it to the full grave. The question is, did this person tell a number five, a number three, or a number one? Mm-hmm. And hypothetically, they told a number three, not even the highest, five. Do you take them one step further and tell a number four? So you didn't even go five, but you go... Oh, you told the three, four, <laughs> I'm going to throw a four on the tape. Cause that's like, that's where you really got to consider in the friendship. You're almost blood packing that those one to fives, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. When I say no matter, hmm, I don't know. Cause if you like killed a family member, I don't know. There's levels. There's levels there's, to it. There's levels to this, guys. There's levels to it. I'm talking about like a, a, a an inconvenient disrespect that just made us stop being friends. Yeah. You know, something you can get over. That's why I said murder. I can't get over murder. You, I would tell everybody you're five. I'm t- yeah. I'm telling all of the fives in your life. <laughs> if you murdered somebody, I don't care if it was my gerbil. Yeah, you murdered my gerbil, it's over for you. It is over for you. You murdered one of my ratas, over for you, son. But if it's like, a, you know, any other type of falling out that makes people stop being friends, if it's something like that, then no, there's no reason. You should do it for the honor of the friendship that did exist when it was at its best and move on and leave it at that. If anything, it's going to make them, unless they're sociopathic, some people will always feel like, yo, she never like said nothing like she never even went low and I know she could I know she could it actually inspires a little bit more fear to go you know what I will 100% say without without saying names I had a situation where there was an ex of mine who had essentially gotten a job for him and when we split I think he was afraid that I was going to get him fired from that job. And when I did it and we bumped into each other, um, 
that was the, one of the first things he said to me was, thank you for not getting me fired. And I said, I would never mess with your money. Like, I'm not that person. I'm not that person to do that. But it was also like, but I could. I could. Stay knowing I could. That's the whole point. It's like, you know, like, that's the kind, it's the, it's the, it's the silent. You know what I mean? So like, you just said you will go and you want to go key the car, break the car in. Now, if they're number five, like for me, I'm, I, I'm like mentally trying to like put the fear in. I'm the type to like, let's just say the number five worst thing that I know that nobody could know is that you did something involving a panty and it's super embarrassing, whatever, I don't know. I would then take a panty and leave it hanging on your door so that when you get home, you're like, is that a threat? <laughs> She's gonna tell them about the panty incident. It could be, it could be, but I'll never do it. So they're always living in that fear, always looking over their shoulder like, you know, they're like, yo, uh, yo, you know who's going to be at this event, Catherine? I don't want to go. I don't want to yeah, be there. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that said, I hope we cleared up the loyalty issue. Uh, Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Catherine G. Mendoza. And on Twitter, it's at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, Grace24. Yes, yes. And uh, you guys know you can find me on Instagram at Gbrione on Instagram. Check out The Floor is Lava on Amazon or head over to HBO and see some of the cool stuff I have up there. You guys know I love to end the show with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day. So when life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time, deuces. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm -hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my night cat. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.